Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're Out to Lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business, Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Time was every town had cobblers and tailors. History books are replete with references to these noble tradesmen who kept people dressed to the nine and on their toes. But as commerce evolved from local service providers to department stores, big box retailers, and online sites, these old-fashioned businesses have become fewer and far between. Just because they're less common in the past, however, doesn't mean they're not still in existence, especially here in Baton Rouge. Joining me today to discuss this is Clyde Lawrence, owner of Militello's Shoe Repair, a venerable Baton Rouge business that has been around since 1972. Everybody knows Militello's and gets their shoes repaired there, or at least polished and shined. Clyde came to Baton Rouge from his native Bossier City to seek his fortune in the chemical plants in the mid-1970s. He stumbled instead into Militello's and landed a job. He's been there ever since with a couple of breaks along the way. In early 2018, he and his wife bought the business from longtime owner Fred Militello, who was retiring. Arguably, no one was better suited to run the service-based business than Clyde, though at the time, he himself was thinking about retirement. Instead, he jumped in with both feet, pardon the pun, took the plunge, and today is keeping alive a local tradition. And Clyde, you were doing such a great job. I know everybody's so excited that you're there behind behind the desk. So thanks for being here today to tell us about this business. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. With me and Clyde at the table is Gino Brown, co-owner of Brown & Brown Custom Clothiers. Gino has been a custom tailor almost his entire career because Brown & Brown is a family-owned business that was started under the name Fashion Limited by Gino's father, the late Eugene Brown, who died in 2019. Today, Gino and his brother, O'Lindsey Brown, run the company, which was rebranded in 1993 when the Browns moved away from carrying ready-to-made clothes and started making their own custom handmade garments instead. Eugene Brown would find fabrics on buying trips around the world. Gino didn't necessarily intend to be a haberdasher. He went to Morehouse College and graduated from Southern University with dual degrees in math and physics and actually taught physics for a year before joining the business. He holds certified master tailor and certified master clothiers designations. Gino, really a great story. Thanks so much for being here today to tell us about it on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, Clyde, I'm going to start with you. Fred Militello told you back in the 1970s when you started with him that if you worked as a cobbler, you'd never need another job. And it turned out to be true. Why is that? <laughs> well, there's always a need for what we're doing. We're somewhat recession-proof, and the economy goes down. People still need to wear shoes. They still have to protect their feet. So uh, it turned out to be true. What I didn't know is that I... I would grow to love the business so much that I'd still be doing it this many years down the line. And and I bet actually during recessions you you maybe almost do better we because do. maybe people want to keep people the are old. more conscious of trying to keep what they have. <laughs> right. So you took over from him, as I said in the introduction, um, when he was retiring. You also were thinking about retiring then. What made you and your wife decide to get into the business? 
Well, I wanted to go just a, another couple of years, and then Fred told me, you know, I'm going to make you an op, uh, an offer, okay. an offer that turned out to be one that I could not refuse. And I thought about it, and I said, well, let me talk to my wife about this, and we'll see. I spoke with her, and at first she said, oh, you're crazy. And then, because uh, <laughs> she herself had retired. Sure. And she was ready for us to fish and play golf, I suppose, or whatever <laughs> people do when they retire. And right now, I don't think I'll ever know what that is. Right. But I wanted to keep going. Uh-huh. And I talked her into coming in with me. And I think it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. So not only did she not get to retire, but now she's working in yes, shoe. Now, now she gets to be with me 24 hours a day. <laughs> and how's that working out for you? It's working out great. It is. Well, Gino, you were a college football star, a physics and a math major. Were you even thinking about joining your father's business in those years? Or what made you decide to switch gears? Uh, well, first of all, a... Uh Football star is a very gratuitous comment. Um, but I, I started off, uh, I started teaching immediately after school, and no, I did not think that I would ever work with my father. And um, just I left a teaching position, and my dad was like, hey, you're going to need to come in. You, you won't kind of sit at home in between. And I never left. And as Mr. Clyde uh, said, um, these situations, you are never able to, to kind of forecast your love for what you do and how it's going to grow and coming to work on a daily basis becomes a labor of love, as they say, as versus a job. And, and so I've never left. And and with your business, your dad had started out as, as a retailer selling clothes and, and became a haberdasher actually designing and making custom clothes. How did that? That's a huge transition there. My, my dad was a visionary and uh, my, my dad was a dreamer. My dad saw things uh, in their initial state as if it was in, in the finished product. And so he was able to uh, to continue to grow and, and to continue to learn about the craft. And he was uh, presented with an opportunity, much as Mr. Clyde said, and, um, and he took advantage of it. And he went from being a retail uh, place into doing the actual custom garments where we measure and build everything from the ground up specific to our clients' needs. And do you have seamstresses that work with you? I mean, oh, did y'all have do. to hire that? Or we, how we, did you learn how to do that? <laughs> we, we do. We, we have, uh, we have uh, you know, uh, we have people that will work for us that actually do uh, the sewing, and then I have a local person that will actually uh, do any sort of touching up or anything of that nature that needs to be done to the garments. Typically, once the garments arrive, they're ready to, to walk out. We call them walk-out fits, where you come in and we style and we talk about shape and what your needs and goals are for your garments. And our, and our uh, goal is once you come in, when you come back in to pick the garment up, it's ready to roll. I would imagine you have a very select and special clientele. We do. That's a that's a, a thing that my father would speak about very frequently is, is the, the opportunity that we have to work with some of the premier folks in town uh, in their industry. I've grown up with a lot of these clients. A lot of the clients that I work with now, I was in college and, and in school uh, when we when we you know when I first started to meet them, and it's been a, a something I've been very grateful for because they've been very receptive over the years to allowing me to because. I'm a bit younger than some of the gentlemen that come in, and and so they were willing to trust me 
to, to handle something that is very important to the majority of them, and that is their presentation. I know, I've read that you all do a lot of, you've done a lot of LSU celebrity athletes. <laughs> we, we have, and that, that's, been, uh, that's been something that's very fun. Uh, uh, Tyrus Thomas is uh, one, of, one of our better clients that we've been able to, uh, to work with through the years, and, and uh, Lyle Collins was another one that we've been able to work with. Uh, Kevin Falk, who was one of my favorite athletes to ever come to LSU, and all LSU fans, I hope, understand that he is he was one of the first to start this trend of, of these big-time stars coming here. So uh, Kevin Falk is probably one of the guys that uh, I have to put my fanship aside when he calls and goes. Uh, so th those are some of the guys. Ro Rohan Davey is another one. Uh, so We've been very blessed in, in some of the guys that we've been able to work with. So interesting. Clyde, who are your clients? I mean, do they come from all walks of life, all parts of town? And I know there used to be several Militellos. Now you have just one, right, on corporate, but that's a, a central location in this town. Yes, and I get to uh, service the who's who of Baton Rouge also. We get the doctors, the lawyers, and lots of politicians and really? teachers and uh, lots of people from different walks of life. And and I know you all have a shoeshine bench in the store. People will yes. sometimes just come and get their shoes shined there. Oh, yes. There. We have a, a two-seat shine stand, and we have two shoeshine men, and sometimes people will line up to get their shoes shined. It's a really... It's therapeutic, I've heard men say, to just like the feel of the, the rag on their shoes, and they'll sit up there and go to sleep sometimes in their right. shoes shine. And maybe tell stories, huh? I actually got one Monday. Oh, that's great. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, we hear some is stories. There how much, so, I mean, I know your store is always, is always full, but there aren't a whole lot of shoe repair, you know, stores in town anymore. How much demand is there for it? And, um, well, I mean, do young people... And the young people, is, which I feel is the fault of uh, the shoe repair industry itself, we're not promoting ourselves enough because as uh, the, I think the baby boomers is, was, got older and we should have stepped up and did more advertising because the millennials just don't know about shoe repair. And that's what I figure is our job to, to teach them that we have a service that uh, that's needed and we can provide for them and we can save them a lot of money. At a certain point, Cole, uh, Nike purchased Cole Haan. And really? when they did that, they started to put uh, rubber soles on the bottom of the shoes. And so shoes became throwaway at that point. And that is when I feel like guys started to lessen the investment that they would put into their footwear as opposed to, and I, and I feel like exactly what Mr. Clyde said, they stopped looking at a, a pair of shoes as a 10-year purchase and started to look at it as throwaway things. How does that impact your business, Gino? Um, I mean, are you all just a, a small niche, I would imagine, but are you only doing high-end clothes for the wealthiest? There's a certain point at which uh, a man or lady decide that they would like to invest a certain level of detail into their presentation, and I think that is more so the, the selling point for us than anything else, is being able to have complete control over your garment from the shape, the look, and being able to communicate a message every time that you get dressed. Yeah. yeah. 
Certainly. Who is your market? I mean, is it it's mostly more men than women, I would imagine. Do you do any ladies? We do do ladies. My mother actually has on a beautiful plaid custom piece today. And I thought, and, and so when I met her uh, in the parking lot this morning when she arrived to work, I told her how fantastic she looked. And it is something that we are investing more time in as well. Our, our clients are, I would say, professionals from their early 30s, um, Un- until, you know, and w- once they come in and they start to get garments that fit them in a certain manner, they're not going to, to return to the off-the-rack stuff. So even if it's a, a, a lady or a gentleman uh, that has now retired, they will, th- instead of getting suits, they may get more sport coat and pants or, mm-hmm. or, or options for dinner and things of that nature. How, how do you market and advertise? Word of mouth, two things are, are our best friend uh, right now. Google, number one, the internet, and, and the second deal is uh, word of mouth. And uh, whenever someone has a good experience, uh, they are very much inclined to go and to tell their friends, hey, I you know, went to this place and we sat down and we talked about these different things and, um, and this was the result that I had. And so I, I feel that when, you know, as we focus on taking care of the opportunities that we do have, they promote others. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Rigo. I'm talking to Gino Brown of Brown and Brown Custom Clothiers and Clyde Lawrence of Militello's Shoe Repair. Clyde, what about you? Do you need to advertise or market, or is it well, just people know? Word of mouth is great, but uh, you always have to advertise. And so I'm doing a little social media now. I'm really just getting up to speed on okay. <laughs> on how it works. And so, but yeah, yeah, we, we've gone to Instagram. And we have Facebook, and uh, we're doing that. And 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 I, I guess there's probably not a whole lot of margin in, in what you do, is there? Or like like the like, how do you price what you um, oh your well, repairs? There's not a, not a lot of margin. No. It just depends on uh, what the time it takes and the uh, amount of material we'll have to use. Mm-hmm. But uh, everything is really it, it's efficient and it doesn't cost a lot. Have there ever been any shoes that you were not able to repair? Every once in a while, there are some that, especially shoes that are man-made materials, we just tell them there's not much we can do for that. Oh. But then uh, leather shoes or leather garments or uh, bags, purses, belts, we can usually uh, repair them, condition them, make them look almost new again. Mm-hmm. How many people do you have in the in the shop now working for you? Uh, five. We have five in there, and my, my wife and I would make seven. So okay, and it's a it's a it's a it's a long day, huh? Days can be long, <laughs> but as long as you're busy, then the day really goes faster. That's great. Yeah. What? How many people are working for Brown and Brown, Gina? It's three of us: my brother, uh, my mother, and myself. And that's it. And that's it. The uh, there. So who actually? So you're you you contract with your with your seamstresses and tailors? Co- correct. We have a we have, it's called a CMT house, and and um, and and they actually stitch and it's called cut make and trim. And so our cut make and trim company that we basically have to work for us contracted. Um, they, they actually do the stitching and the sewing. My, our job is more so to stay very abreast of what's going on in the fabric world and to make sure that we have some of the nicest cloth in town and, you know, in, in, in general. And also to be able to know how to gather what's inside someone's head and deliver that into, into reality. To give them that look. That to is so interesting. The, do you actually design the, the suits and some of the clothes or do you use, like, patterns that would come from you know fashion houses or designers or customize them for your particular client we we use uh each client uh 
has their own pattern. And so we actually build a pattern for each customer that, that comes in. And so it becomes more of a thing of looking at each, every person that I see, unfortunately, I, I do a checklist where I see their shoulder shape, how their chest is shaped, their, just their body shape in general. And for each person that comes in, we will kind of build a garment that's very specific to their body shape that, that will be most complimentary and flattering to them. Interesting. I mentioned in your introduction that you have a master of tailor certification or designation and a master clothier as well. Was that a, a long process to get that sort of certification or did you have it, to it go was to a, school for that? Or? Yeah, it was kind of a, a continuing education uh, type of deal. And it's a, a course that we took in New York City and, and it was a series of visits uh, there. Uh, and so that, that may have taken about a year to get done. Um, well, a year and a, it spanned over two calendar years, but I guess it was something that we were done that was done in a, a 12, uh, 12 month span, and uh, it was very it's very uh, it opened your thinking about a lot of different things, right. and it and it allowed you to uh, to start to educate yourself more on your cloth and the fabrics and the process and, and the whole nine. So it was a, it was actually a very tremendous experience for my brother and myself. That's great, Clyde. Did you ever? Um I mean, was there any sort of apprentice program or any sort of training program that you went through, or did you learn it all from Mr. Militella? I learned everything I know from Mr. Militella. He just taught me hands-on, and it, it took a while to catch on because there's so many different phases in repairing a shoe. And really? So, yeah, it took months and months before I really caught on. And then once I learned a little bit, he sort of let me go off on my own and repair shoes and you're the best one in town have you then passed that on to younger people whether intentionally or just through the, the I, maybe the people who come through your shop or do you have younger people working? Have, well right now i do and i have trained several people on how to repair shoes and actually i have a son that i taught a little bit but he's still sort of on the fence about whether or not he wants to be a shoe repairman right right but i mean do you see it as a sustainable business Yes, I do. I, yeah, I uh, would. see shoe repair going on for as long as people have feet and are going to wear shoes. <laughs> I, would, I would think so. Um, you know, with, speaking of young people, I know so many today are into thrifting. That's the big thing, mm -hmm. you know, the thrift store. Yeah. And, you know, does that work to your advantage? Or I would imagine maybe to yours, not... Uh, I'll speak for for myself. Uh, from from my experience, the, the thrifting uh, it, it can do it can go both ways. And one, one of the uh, one of the things I will tell guys about thrifting or or the ladies as well is that a well built garment will far outlast you know the the space that you intended it for, and it will be here long after perhaps your body has changed or your shape has changed if you get a quality garment. And um, so I, I mean the thrifting does not a Guys that are coming in, that are, are ladies as well, that are willing to part ways with $1,000 for a garment are not coming to buy used cars. <laughs> yeah. And as Gino said, uh, if, a, if you buy a well-built pair of shoes, well-made, expensive, well, it's, and when, you, when we get them in, we can uh, repair them and get them back to uh, a new shape again. Mm -hmm. And so you don't really get uh, shoes that aren't, you know, made, uh, from thrift stores and all. We are able to restore some of them, too. It depends okay. on just how old they are. Right. Because a lot of the times they've been sitting up and they've dried out and the leather's gotten bad on them. But we have restored lots of shoes, particularly when during the floods. We 
we've had <laughs> we've restored many many shoes oh that is so, that bad huh and yeah. you could really fix them after oh, they'd goodness. been sitting underwater after hurricane katrina we started and uh we got shoes from all over the gulf coast because folks lost their everything but they were able to save some of their shoes that and they brought them to us then hurricane uh well the 2016 flood right which we seemed like a hurricane we did lots of shoes they were people were bringing them in just in bags soaking wet and, and what do you do with leather that's been well, floating around in scummy flood water? We for a disinfect while? it first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> once we Good get it, to know. Yes. Once we get it disinfected, but can you reconstitute leather that's yes, been wet? Yes, we were able to do that. Like I said, they were wet, and it's better to uh, start working on them while they are wet, because if you let them dry out and then they get hard, and then you got to start over. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I bet. I bet you couldn't do suede. Probably not. Some suede, suede, not as good, but there uh, we did several pairs of suede boots that came back to life. Leather jackets, we were able to save some of them. Oh man, that's so good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because people important. lost everything. Right. A lot of people did, but we were able to save some of the garments and, uh, well, the leather garments mm-hmm. anyway, and shoes. What's the most interesting case you've ever had? Maybe the, the most interesting pair of shoes you've ever fixed and. Gino, the most interesting client or, you know, that, that you've worked for and what you designed and put together for him or her? Clown shoes are oh! the most interesting <laughs> ones I've had. They're, for real? Like a circus clown? Yeah, well, there's uh, some people in Baton Rouge that are professional clowns. Okay. And they we, we do their shoes for them, and they are... Really fun to work on. I bet they are. <laughs> Is it difficult or? No, they're not. They're, they're fairly simple. <laughs> they're probably they're, big. They're big. A lot the of material. Toes, you know, big toe like that. But uh, it's it's really fun working on clown shoes. That's great. <laughs> um, for me, uh, I guess I had a guy that came that wanted like a full the Flash character on the Marvel comic books, no and kidding. he wanted a Flash suit, and so. Um, that was probably the most interesting. Uh, aside from that, I, every time a guy walks in, it's it's a fascinating situation for me because, it, like I said, I'm trying to grab something inside of his head and, and pull it out and deliver it. How is the business climate here in Baton Rouge? And, I mean, have you ever had trouble getting, you know, capital to expand or, or to buy the business? I mean, um, you know, we talk a lot on this show about just Baton Rouge as a place to do business. Well, yes. Has we, it been good for you? It has been good for me. And so, and actually, I will be seeking some sources in the near future to do a little bit of expansion. But uh, the people here have been really, really nice to me. I'm so glad. Yes. Because everybody loves you. But are you expanding in your existing location, or you're just looking to take more space, or, uh, or a second a little, location? A little more space, <laughs> and uh, maybe hire an extra, uh, another person. And uh, I have enough equipment to where we can do a, a little more work. Fantastic. Yes. Well, that'll be great. And and what about you, Gino? Has it been a, a favorable lending cl- climate uh, uh, here? Well, yes. Uh, I, you know, my dad uh, left us, and one of the things uh, that he did, you know, he purchased our building. And, and when he did so, um, it was a nursery and a computer repair shop when we bought it. We bought it in 1998. And so... Thanks to his dedication and his vision and his foresight, uh, we, we remodeled in 2010. And so our space is very warm, it's very inviting, it's a very comfortable space, and um, 
thanks to his foresight, that is that is something that uh, my brother and I, when that situation comes, we'll address it. But as of now, we're pretty good. And I and I think that um, Baton Rouge is a very unique environment because we have a flag, flagship school, okay, uh, in LSU. We have the largest HBCU in America, and, and that's the one I graduated from in Southern University. You have state and local government housed here in Baton Rouge. So it is a very unique uh, combination of, of, of groups and things going on in one place. So Baton Rouge is a very, uh, you know, it's a small southern town with southern charm, but there are some very formidable things that are taking place in Baton Rouge due to the unique arrangement of, of all of those things in one place. Well, Gino Brown and Clyde Lawrence, y'all are both doing such great things for the community here and have such well-respected and valuable businesses. So we will look forward to follow your following your continued success. Thanks so much for being here today on Out to Lunch and sharing your stories with us. Thanks for having Thanks us. For My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Clyde Lawrence of Militello's Shoe Repair and Gino Brown of Brown & Brown Custom Clothiers. You can find out more about Militello's and Brown and & Brown by going to the links on our website, itsbatonrouge.la. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsbatonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.